In chapter 7, the action moves to Moscow. It focuses on the household of another aristocratic family, very important to the story, this time the Rostovs. There's another society event there with a lot of invitees. And among the eventual talk, we're going to learn what Dolokhov and Pierre and Anatole did with that bear. In short, they took the bear into a carriage on their way to visit some actresses and were noticed by a local constable who tried to interfere. Well, that wasn't a good idea because the drunken crew got a new idea. Led by Dolokhov, he tied or handcuffed the bear vis-a-vis the chain that was on the bear to the police officer and threw them both in the local river. The episode created quite a stir but nobody got too hurt. For the shenanigans, Dolokhov was demoted, knocked down a rank in the army, and Pierre was asked to leave St. Petersburg. Anatole also likely got some type of talking to. Overall, at least for Pierre and Anatole, they got slaps on the wrist. We also get some background information from the narrator that Vasily Kuragin has in fact helped Boris obtain a commission with the Imperial Guards, something to set the young man on the right path. So Boris, the only son of the elderly Princess Drubitskaya, now has a position of a low-level officer or an ensign. Ensign can be considered the entry-level officer's rank. He was not, however, appointed to General Kutozo's staff as Princess Drubetskaya wanted. But Vasily got the boy as far as he could go, even getting Emperor Alexander to weigh in on the subject. So this mother of great confidence in action, she then left St. Petersburg and went to Moscow, where she lives with the Rostovs where Boris had grown up with the rest of the family. The Rostovs are a pivotal family in this book, and you will get to see their children, Nikolai, Natasha, and Petya, come of age. The Rostovs were happy to be hosting a name day celebration for mother and daughter, who both shared the same name, Natalie or Natasha. Name day celebrations could be a pretty big thing in parts of the world, like Eastern Europe, sometimes bigger in pastimes than birthdays, because birthdays were traditionally celebrated by only wealthier families, while everybody could celebrate a name day. Pretty much every popular name on the calendar had a date to celebrate it. This promoted parents picking one of those names that was on the calendar, many of whom had a clear Christian tradition. They're making something of a comeback in contemporary society where people like celebrating their name days, which is not focused on their age and mortality, but rather just their name. Name days helped create community and a commonality of names. Now, back to the narrative. There was a very steady stream of carriages and visitors and wealthy families to the Rostov estate. The fictional mansion was on the actual Parvaskaya Street, which still exists today and is known as Moscow's Embassy Row. It's still home to ornate old mansions, but the actual name of the street was named after Moscow's bakers in the 1600s, who set up shop there to provide food to the Muscovite court. The elder Count Rostov was being a good host. He's quite friendly and was inviting everybody into the party to enjoy a great meal. He had a habit of addressing everybody, my dear, regardless of their rank. His full name is Ilya Rostov. He's described as having a jolly, clean-shaven face, a firm handshake, and a few gray hairs over his bald patch. He's the type of host who's genuinely happy to engage in whatever nonsensical small talk anyone can think of. How their general health is, how the weather is, how the night will go. He would also switch between languages based on whatever the guest preferred, between French and Russian. It seems like they were setting up the fancy event with a grand dinner for about 80 people. This required a house full of servants, think Downton Abbey, and a head servant or butler 
nickname Matinka. The substance of this chapter involves the discussion between the old women of the health of Pierre's dad, Kirill Bezukhov, who is extremely wealthy. He's described as one of the richest men in the country, holding an estate that is probably the size of small United States states, like Delaware or Rhode Island or even bigger, and had 40,000 serfs to work that land. He's quite ill, a special doctor has been called, and the expectation is that he's going to pass. The talk is almost naturally about who's going to inherit all that value. It looks like legally, Vasily Kuragin is in line to inherit through his wife, who has some relation to the old count. But it's noted, specifically by Anna Drubetskaya, the mother of Boris, how the elderly count favors his illegitimate son Pierre. She likes being in the know in terms of gossip and expressing it. She notes that in his day, Kirill Bezukhov was the handsomest man she had ever seen. His reputation was having a great number of illegitimate children, but no heir from his marriage or marriages to succeed him. The group is a bit aghast when they reference Pierre because word has traveled of how he embarrassed himself in supporting Napoleon at the previous event that many in this circle would have been. One remarks, well, that's modern education for you and allowing a child to do what they like. Princess Drubeskaya keenly notes that the old count's impending death is exactly why Prince Vasily has also come to Moscow, perhaps to make a direct appeal, something like remember me in your will. What we have here is millions of rubles, millions of acres of land, 40,000 serfs. This is going to be a boon to somebody. After the important stuff, the talk then moves on to Pierre, Anatole, and Dolokhov and what they did with that bear. As referenced in the beginning, Pierre got sent to Moscow, out of St. Petersburg. Anatole also got sent out of St. Petersburg. And Dolokhov, with no connections, suffered a demotion. The crowd notes that what a sight it must have been. The policeman swimming and the bear being scared, hanging on the policeman's back like a piggyback ride, probably scratching it up as the two swam to safety. It was the type of story everybody loved to talk about and got a laugh out of. The chapter ends with Count Rostov remarking how silly the whole spectacle with the bear must have looked and kind of mimicking it, waving his arms in a swimming type motion that was either referencing the police officer or the poor bear.